Greetings and salutations to episode 56 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. Good morning, my lord. Nerd Culture Podcast. <laughs> my name is David, and we're the NCP crew. Richard. Nerd Culture Podcast. Luke. This announcement has been brought to you in staccato for more dramatic effect. And Crystal. Well, in the spirit of the episode, the, this morning Luke's coffee was actually made from mud. Mud and kitten vomit. No, that's, what, that's, that's the custard. He didn't yeah, ask for custard. custard. But he does have milk, mm. unfortunately. Yes. Well, I'm now not going to question where that came from. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't a cappuccino. <laughs> so we've got a bit of a Ben Alton theme happen in this episode that was uh, purely coincidental, I assure you. No, it wasn't. no, actually, it was, it was planned right from the start. You know, you know, last episode you were lying to our listeners, and we called you on it. You'd think by now you would have learned oh, not yeah. to lie to our I listeners. That, that, no, I would never lie to my listeners. I love all my audience. Like it, all of you. Is that like the love between a man and a woman, or the love of a man for a fine Cuban cigar? Both. All right. Uh, our first up, we've got a dust jacket on blind faith. And uh, then we'll have a Channel Zero on Black Adder, a series that Ben Alton wishes he co-created, but did not. <laughs> but did <laughs> help. But, but did help uh, 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 co-write in subsequent episodes. Elevated it to new heights. Yes, it did get better when he came on board. I won't deny it. So first up, we have Blind Faith. Blind Faith is Ben Alton's 2007 novel. Uh, centers around a character called Trafford Sewell, who lives in a world where privacy is non-existent. Every single detail of your life is uh, broadcast over the internet via, you know, thinly veiled YouTube equivalents and Facebook. And people are actually expected to post, you know, their most intimate sexual encounters, the birth of their of their children, basically everything is posted online. Um, you're actually legally obligated to blog as well um, and effectively to watch your neighbours. The world, however, is um, basically suffering uh, from a environmental disaster, uh, melting of the polar ice caps. Disease is rife in England, which now consists of a series of islands. Um, overcrowding is a massive problem. And unfortunately, the world is also in the middle of a religious furor. Because of that, there is no inoculation of children. So, you know, 50% of the children born actually die. In this world, women are expected to basically get plastic surgery and to make themselves more sexually appealing to men. Things like plastic surgery are a rite of passage for women. They're expected to get breast implants and um, dye their hair and make themselves up. Basically, people are expected to emote, to say what they feel and what they truly believe and to post it online and to discuss it in chat rooms with their neighbours. And the law is decided pretty much by the church, specifically by something called Wembley Laws, where as long as you can get um, 150,000 people together, um, if they all agree to something, then it becomes law. Ignorance is the norm. And in fact, ignorance is praised and expected. And the temple pretty much controls everything. Uh, Trafford is a person who feels absolutely stifled in this environment and longs for really privacy more than anything else. But this world does not offer that opportunity at all. So that's the uh, basics of the story. 
So now I'm going to basically hand over my dust jacket, cape, and special trunks to Crystal, who is now going to be the first lady of dust jacket. (laughs) Pick up the trunks uh, with a pair of tongs. Absolutely right. Don't worry, they've been properly cleaned and pressed. (laughs) So Crystal, why did you choose uh, Blind Faith? As we mentioned earlier, I wanted uh, we were going to do Blackadder for this episode. I wanted to choose a book that tied in with that. So Ben Elton was the obvious choice. Having written a number of novels, the only hard bit was actually choosing which one to do. Um, I ended up choosing this one because you may you may think it's a, uh, a satirical uh, novel set in the somewhat not too distant future. I consider it a horror novel. <laughs> this is this would be as a as a introverted person who highly values her privacy. This living in this world would be an absolute nightmare for me. This is a, perhaps a it's a in your face over exaggerated version of what society might become like if people abandoned their critical thinking and the ignorant masses turn into sheep the ideals of a typical look at me only interested in how others perceive them big brother housemate type person become the dominant social paradigm uh, just not me <laughs> uh, i found the book fascinating in that that, that trafford as, aspires to have all the sort of ideals that i take for granted he wants to be able to uh, explore life uh, learn uh, have a little bit of a privacy and the time alone to think and and that sort of thing is just i just found i just found it fascinating granted very over the top but that that has a that's been out in style but uh, fascinating novel not to spoil the ending but goes to a place i wouldn't have thought it went i was keep kept expecting a uh, completely different ending i did have a quote from the book that i liked it kind of summed up what i liked that that uh, that would the the ideals that Trafford was striving for. Science is about what can be established through observation, deduction, and what can be proved, as opposed to all the, the temple stuff that they, they, they're told what they should believe. It was also interesting the way they um, they create laws now. There's no there's no parliament. The laws are created now at Wembley Stadium when they have this big concert-like thing, and if somebody will bring up this ridiculous proclamation, and if everybody agrees, that is now law. So, for instance, at that one time they made it a law that everybody in the world is now famous. Yeah, that's, it's a great moment because effectively everyone is famous, so therefore fame is meaningless. Okay, um, I had a, a real struggle uh, reading this book. I I just do not like. Ben Elton style. Um, it's just not for me. I, I, I can see I can see why people like it, um, and I'm not one of those. I found that every single character in this book was unlikable, and not in a well-written, these are, are meant to be unlikable characters sort of stuff. I just didn't think they were very good characters. Uh, I didn't think it was funny. Um, I thought it was way too obvious. Every single joke was telegraphed pages beforehand. And just far too many nudge, nudge, wink, wink sort of moments, like hey, look how clever I am, sort of stuff. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not trying to soapbox. I just, and it's not like I could do better. It just, I just, this really, just this book just really wasn't for me. I just thought it was just, it was something that would be given out as an assignment at school. It was wasn't very professional in in my opinion, which is a shame because, as we'll find out later on in our channel zero, I, I think he's right in on Black Adder is top notch. I don't want to. I don't want to rant on too long about uh, the negativity. I just. Uh, I just didn't like this book, and um, I'm struggling to give it one look. 
I'm not a fan of big fan of Ben Elton myself. I think he works. He does better when he's working with other people, which is why his TV stuff is actually very good because he's got people to bounce off of. I wasn't a huge fan of this book. It, I don't actually think this is a terrible book, but it wasn't leaping off the page of me. I don't think Trafford is as interesting as he might like. I think he tries to make Trafford likable. Just to go back to your point, Dave, um, I think he does with the with the, the the desire to inoculate his own daughter, so that. Caitlin Happy Meal doesn't suffer the same fate as Phoenix Rising. Mm. I think that you know there is a, a sense of a, not just a personal obligation, but an obligation to someone outside of him, which in this world is um, a mutation or an aberration as opposed to the norm. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he, I think he does. I just don't think he carries it through as successfully as he might like. There is a lot for me. There's too much telling me about the world. The world's actually kind of interesting. And yes, I do agree with your point, Crystal. It is a horrifying world. The, 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 the horrifying aspect, apart from the lack of privacy, is as, um, as Richo said, the, the rite of passage that women have to get breast implants as, as being you know, part, of, part of growing up and yeah. part of becoming a, um, a well-respected woman of society. That's a, a frightening idea. Um, but there's, I think there's too much of that, and I wanted a bit more story to go with it. Also, because you know, indoctrinated things like 1984, Fahrenheit 451... Um, Brazil. I kept seeing elements of those, and not not quite the original stuff in the story itself. Thematically, it's very interesting. Hmm. In terms of the story, I don't think it's as interesting as it could have been. Uh, the the stories that have come before give me a lot more than this story in particular. It's not bad. And look, he's got a quite punchy style. He doesn't uh, he doesn't dwell too long in terms of his writing prose. He doesn't. There's no. He's not too verbose. He does try to keep things tight and try to keep things moving. And I didn't hate reading it, but it was one of those ones where I was reading it going, I've got, uh, I, I want to read other stuff as well. Mm. I give this two looks. Okay, I basically disagree with pretty much both of you here. Mm. Um, <laughs> however, I will agree with one thing that, um, that Dave said, and that is I actually didn't find this book all that funny. But I agree with Crystal. I found this book really scary. I, yeah, I didn't um, find it that funny either. I was yeah. too busy being horrified. Yeah. Um, Very cool. And it's, um, there's two reasons for that, and they actually tie into points that both of you made, one about um, Trafford as a character and one about the world. Um, this world is scary because it's really, really close to our own world. I mean, that we're more and more we're heading to what, you know, reality TV dominates. Um, people are posting things on YouTube, blogs, you know. You, you go onto Facebook and people are telling you what they had for dinner. What terrified me about this world was how close it is to our own world. Um, you know, overt sexualization is prominent in society. Women's, women feeling the need to beautify themselves with plastic surgery and Botox and breast implants and crazy things like that is just... It, it's, it's terrifying how much of that is actually happening in the real world. Um, and in that regard, for me, this is a really important book and one that I would wish more people were reading. Um, going back to what you were saying about its similarities to things like 1984 and Fahrenheit 451, there is a progression of books, and it, it dates back even earlier than that. I'd go back to things like Brave New World and The Shape of Things to Come, where where people look at the world as it is in, at that time, and then extrapolate on that, either positive or negative. I mean, Brave New World and The Shape of Things to Come 
a, a little bit more positive than, say, um, 1984 and Fahrenheit 451. Um, well, even, even The Shape of Things to Come does have its certain negative connotations as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, progressing through to other books that were re reviewed in the past, Make Room, Make Room, mm -hmm. with its look at overpopulation and pollution in the 70s. Um, for me, this is a book that that is the next logical step in that progression because it's looking at our world as it is now and saying, you know, there's some pretty horrifying things happening here and you should be aware that if it continues along this way, we could end up with this world. At the same time, I do agree with a, a little bit with what you were saying. There are a couple of scenes in this book that I think are a little bit too derivative. Mm. Um, the relationship that he has with Sandra Dee yeah. is very similar to Winston's relationship in 1984 and probably a little bit too similar. And, the, it, they, um, they, you know, the secret rendezvous. Yeah, yeah. One of the um, things I was talking to you about earlier on was, you know... Um, Oh, so they're meeting in the bookshop again, are they? Yeah, um, yeah. It is, it is that type. Yeah, of the thing. meeting on the boat between Sandra Dee and Trafford is a bit similar to the book to and, the bookstore meeting. And I think um, the um, the way that that relationship pays off is uh, it, it's a little too obvious. It, 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 it is. is a, it is a little bit. The there, whole there is a twist. There is a twist. That, but to, to me, that obviousness of the of the world works to the strength of the book because. That's exactly what our world is becoming. Our world is becoming immediate. It's becoming obvious. It's becoming everybody knows everything. I actually found Trafford to be a very sympathetic character because I I actually feel for him in, in a couple of ways. First of all, you know, privacy is absolutely essential and you need those contemplative moments. And living in a world where you don't have that is just horrifying to me, as, as you were saying earlier, Crystal. Mm. Also, you know, the loss of a child, mm. and the loss of a child that is easily preventable, I think, is the important thing here. You know, if they would just step away from blind faith and allow things like inoculations, then they wouldn't have this problem, mm. you know. Um, and then that extends to things like, you know, water filtration and things like that as well. Um, but, I mean, this book was written in 2007, mm where, you know, a few years removed from 9-11. And I think what Ben Elton is responding to in that regard is not saying that religion is bad or faith is bad, but as the title says, the blind faith and just just believing everything your leaders say and just going along with, mm. with, with the horde, you know, going along with the masses just because, you know, is, is I think what he's getting at there. Not anti-religion, because there's actually a scene with Trafford is speaking to Cassius about you know, Darwin's writings and say, and he actually says, it's not that um, science um, and Darwin especially is rejecting a, you know, a belief in God. What he's saying is, is that the, the mechanics of what's going on in the world are important and the, the application of logic in a world where logic is basically considered heresy mm. is, is the message. Um, and so, you know, this book is a, is a response to that absolute craziness that happened post 9-11 where, you know, everybody was just condemning all, um, you know, Muslims as terrorists and just believing anything the government fed them. So for me, I just find Trafford to be a very sympathetic character. And I really felt for him right, right from the opening scene of the book where he's trying to get to work and is just crowded by people on the train station. There, I, I agree with what you were saying, Luke. There is a lot of um, exposition about the yeah. nature of the world. You're talking about the world, but what about the story itself? I, mean, I think the story is fascinating. I think Trafford goes from somebody who you know, is, is in a situation he doesn't mm. like, that he absolutely despises but can't do anything about it. Mm. And bit by bit, through thing, you know, meeting certain people, and um, you know, he starts to actually develop into a revolutionary. Um, so to me, that, that's the story. And then, of course, what happens to him at the end, which is 
you know, quite tragic. Mm. But also there's a certain level of a small glimmer of hope there. So I'm going to give this three Lukes, which uh, brings us to Crystal, your final thoughts. I actually don't mind that he's a bit aggressive in the religion bashing. Uh, you know, sometimes, and this might be a bit controversial, but sometimes I think we're a bit too mollycoddling. People will sort of, you, you, it's taboo to make fun of anyone's religion. If you want to believe in an, in an imaginary entity, that that's 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 fine, but don't force me to do it too. And and I, I send I, sometimes I face the same sort of challenges that that, that Trafford did, like um, for instance, talking to someone. Someone was telling me about their astrology chart, and uh, I happened to mention that you know I didn't believe in astrology. I didn't think that the planets could affect our lives and stuff. And all of a sudden, I was accused of being closed-minded. But um, I actually went and read about it, and you know, learned stuff, and came to this conclusion after looking at the available evidence. I don't call that closed-minded. So, like Richard, I found Trafford a highly sympathetic character because I could see a little bit of myself in him as well, not to the same degree. And I, I, but I'm not worried that the world's going to turn into a place like that. I, I think there's too many strong-willed, free-thinking people out there to let that happen, but it is a bit alarming sometimes. Having said that, um, I'll give this book three looks. Thank you, everybody. That's Blind Faith. Thank you, Captain Dust Jacket. <laughs> Quite a divisive book from the sound of things. Okay, so that was Dust Jacket. Thank you very much, everybody. Moving on to Channel Zero, Black Adder. Blackadder starred Rowan Atkinson as the anti-hero Edmund Blackadder and with Tony Robinson, the recently knighted Tony Robinson. Just Sir, Tony. Sir Tony Robinson. Oh, nice. Like a month ago. Baldrick uh, got knighted. Yeah. How awesome is that? As Baldrick, which is uh, pretty cool. Those two actors uh, and characters that last throughout all four seasons of Blackadder and the subsequent specials. Uh, and then they were joined by other characters uh, in each series. Uh, each series was set in a different historical period. The first series, The Blackadder, was set in 1485. The second series, Blackadder 2, which came out in 1986, was set during the reign of Elizabeth I. Uh, the third series, mm-hmm. Blackadder the Third, uh, which came out in 1987, was set during the 18th and early 19th centuries, uh, during a kind of mixed-up version of the reign of Mad King George. Part three. Part three. <laughs> and uh, then we had Blackadder Goes Forth, which was set in 1917. Uh, in the trenches of the of World War One, there was a, so also some subsequent specials after set after those uh, the Cavalier years, uh, Blackadder's Christmas Carol and Blackadder Back and Forth um, that had that shared you know various levels of success, uh, not quite as much as the original series itself, but uh, they're good for fans of the show who want to continue on. Um, there was was talk of doing a season five, uh, but. It doesn't really doesn't look like it's going to happen. Let's face it. And 
Stephen Fry, who's one of the most regular uh, stars on the show, uh, other than the first two, has basically just said flat out he just doesn't want to do it because he's, it, the magic has got, you know, like, yeah, let's just keep the magic in the way it is. It's, 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 mm. It was for mm. the moment. Listen to them, Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the first series, uh, the, the Black Adder, uh, was written by Richard Curtis and Rowan Atkinson, and uh, and then uh, Mr. Blind Faith himself, Ben Alton, uh, came on and helped uh, Curtis. Hurrah! Mm. Hurrah! Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all all the iterations of the show were produced by John Lloyd. Uh, ben Alton joining the show is actually quite important because he made he made a couple of suggestions that actually changed the show not just in terms of you know the writing, but in terms of the way that it was shot. Blackout One is actually shot more like a, a standard film. It wasn't shot in front of a live audience. The live they filmed the, epi- the series and the episodes, and then screened the edited episodes together in front of a live audience, which is probably why it's also a little bit disjointed because the um, the actors don't have anyone to play off, or anyone or you know something to feed to feedback. Whereas what Ben Elton suggested was that no, write them all, rehearse it, film it in front of a live audience. That's a decision that actually worked the, the show's benefit. Yeah. Um, there's a bit more of an electric feeling, particularly in uh, Series 3. They actually all seem to have gelled really nicely together and they all really do really respond to um, what the audience is responding to themselves. I think th- I think he's also the main one who dis- who wanted to change Blackadder from being just a slimy, weak, um, snivelling underling to um, uh, an actually quite charismatic, very intelligent... Um, and quite witty character as well. He's almost good looking in series two. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, he's Rankin's completely ugly, and then it's a, a dramatic transformation. Mm. It's like what? <laughs> um, the changing it to a uh, live audience format also re- drastically reduced the costs, mm. which is one of the reasons why uh, BBC agreed to then continue funding because yeah. the first the first series was so expensive because mm. it's practically all location. Yeah, I mean it's like ninety nine percent location. Mm. That must have been how they funded the Spitfire fight. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, and just yeah, just cost of fortune. So yeah, so you know, thanks, so thanks to Ben Elton, yeah. uh, as much as I ragged on him in Dust Jacket, it's it, 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 you know, at least you got some more the series gone and uh, and superior versions. I mean, yeah, the writing one exactly is the weakest, better. I think. Yeah, the, well, yeah, one is the weakest. I, I don't really, not a huge fan of series one, but we have to mention that it has the awesome Brian Blessed in it. Yes. Yeah, okay. I was going to go through a list of uh, uh, some actors. Oh, it's okay. I, I had preempted you. Sorry. No, I was that's fine. Say, that's good. Cool. That's wonderful, a good segue. Wonderful cameo by uh, Peter Cook. Yeah. Yes. One of my favourite all-time comedians. Yeah. Brian Blessed, the man. <laughs> I love his, his appearance on QI. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm sleeping with this big shaggy wolf. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Randy bastard. <laughs> anyway, I don't I don't do it justice. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so, no, no one can really do Brian Blessed justice. You have to have that mouthful of teeth to yes. start with. So as I say, Rowan and uh, and Rowan Atkinson and Tony Robinson are you know the constants throughout the series, and and, and like uh, Luke said, is, is the characters. Baldrick's pretty much the same, but um, and Baldrick changes because Baldrick's quite smart in the first one, and then he becomes dumber as the that, series. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He gets true. progressively dumber. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Blackadder <laughs> seems to get progressively smarter, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Why have you got cheese on your nose? And and he also has the constant of. of he has some sort of idiot sort of person he has to sort of, sort of work against to yeah. sort of to, to, to better him like Blackout has to sort of he's always he's constantly surrounded by idiots yes, yes. So, I yeah. have a cunning plan <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so like I said so Stephen, Stephen Fry um, 
He's in, t- in two series. Uh, one, he plays the same named character in those two series, Melchett. Um, the first is Lord Melchett, um, who's an advisor to, to Queen Elizabeth I, um, who's awesome. <laughs> but, I'm going to say Queen Elizabeth is probably my favourite yeah. character and, in yeah, Blackadder. So, <laughs> I have a pretty nose. So, what do we call the Queen Elizabeth? It's Queenie. Queenie, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> I love Queenie. I'll, I'll get to Queenie in a second, but uh, he's also uh, General Melchett in um, the absolute moronic uh, general in uh, season four. He shines give, give him his full name, though. I like his full name. General Homogeny Melchett. <laughs> yes. Um, and he also, he, also appears in, uh, he also appears in other series as, as other minor characters. Um, and, yeah, so the, the before-mentioned queen is Miranda Richardson. She also reappears in the specials. Um, yeah. but, uh, and, uh, in three and four. Yeah, yeah and she's characters. also... Amy Hardwood, the, uh, aka the Shadow, with a hatred of squirrels. With a little twitchy noses. <laughs> She's got a thing about noses. She's yes. awesome. She is absolutely awesome. And uh, and the nurse in um, season four. Uh, there's also Tim McInerney who plays uh, Lord Percy Percy, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lord um, Percy and, Percy, uh, the dumbest of the dumb. <laughs> and uh, Captain Darling uh, in Series 4, which of um, course is, is played on. Darling's great. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, constant twitch in the eye. Um, he, didn't, he, he actually didn't want to appear in, um, in 3 because he was afraid of getting typecast. But, uh, but he does. But, yeah, he I've does. never heard of him in anything other than this. So. He does, he does. He's been in stuff like. Um, I'm sure he has, but this is, this is all I've heard of. He's in Spooks, he does yeah. guest appearances and things like that. He's in various stuff that's not as good as this. Um, and of course, we can't forget the magnificent Hugh Laurie, who, uh, who eventually <laughs> goes on to such serious fear as House. But in this is. Uh, is a comedic genius. That's one of my favourite lines ever. I will wreak my Rwenge. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. He's, um, he, he single-handedly makes three awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. He just completely dominates season three. What a pair of trousers! <laughs> <laughs> just, it, it, it cannot be understated just how, what a huge presence he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, he's the, 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 the perfect team-up. Um, George, George and Blackadder. Yeah. Up against each other, just yeah. the, the constant that looks across to uh, Blackadder's uh, face, whereas where George says something ridiculous, mm. and Blackadder's just, oh my god, <laughs> why do I have to deal with this? And this he doesn't, like... doesn't let it slip. He's professional. How can I ever thank you, Blackadder? Where you can stop and I call you Blackadder. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, this, this, this is exactly the reason why I can't take House seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, House was awesome. House was, uh, no, House is awful. But, but I just, but I just can't. I can't take. I can't take Hugh Laurie like in a serious dramatic role. Well, I'm the same with Eric Banner. Mm. <laughs> he, he's always going to be Ray Martin to me. Or Poyter. Poyter. You're both crazy. Um, so it's a Blackadder is uh, much beloved and uh, highly praised, and for good reason. It mm. is. Um, it's a staple of uh, of rerun television. <laughs> like it's rerun <laughs> on the ABC, which is strange because there's only um, six episodes per season. Six episodes per season. So yeah. what's that? Twenty four. Yep. Plus the specials. Yeah. So it's. Um, but that. But that's a standard. That's, that's, that doesn't mean yeah. anything. What about Faulty Towers? Yeah. It's rerun every day. It's insane. <laughs> but it's a it's a standard of the BBC to have. Mm. 
these short six to thirteen episode seasons. They've been doing it forever, yeah. and um, and it works to the to the benefit of the shows because mm. you could just mm. there's no filler. You just pack all of your your, your gold, all of your your A list material into six episodes, and so there's just nothing totally that isn't yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, but one thing that we haven't actually talked about is because this is actually quite a black comedy. Yeah, and yeah. it's coming. Say, yeah. It's coming in. No pun um, intended. <laughs> yeah, I see what you um, did there. Coming in the eighties, where you had, um, you know, satire and light comedy. Satire, like Yes Minister, and light comedy fair, like as time goes by, and um, it's actually interesting that this is held up uh, as well as it, this is actually held in quite high regard. You know, it, it by log- logistically it should have been buried. No, but you can't. I mean, you, you can't deny brilliance. That is, mm-hmm. if something is generally good. It'll continue on. It's timeless. But um, I just find, I find that you know, it, it, in it's sort of the the eighties mediocrity comedy mediocrity. This is like a shot in the dark. Yeah, it just has some stuff to say too. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the last episode like that goes forth is quite poignant. You always tear yeah. up at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I did. I do want to mention that. So each each end episode generally deals with the death. Of, of the main characters, I mean, it's, um, except for series three, except for three, where he goes off and becomes the new prince, which is which is complete complete dead around. <laughs> but George, 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 poor George dies. Um, but but yeah, I'm I'm totally with Crystal. I mean, the end of season four mm. is a, a real slap in the face. Yeah, it's and, a lump um, in the throat sort of. Stuff. Yeah, and it's I mean it's deadly serious. But yeah. the, the, the 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 thing that makes that work is that there's a moment where you think, oh, hang on, he's got a plan, he's going to get out of it, and then he doesn't, and they've no. got to go over the top, and you get that nice little. Montage that little nice little segue into the um the field of poppies. Yeah, yep. mm. um, and that you know no other comedy was doing that at the time. No. What other comedy said that we're going to kill our main character off at the end of each series? Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's unlike uh, my dislike of Blind Faith. I just I think that the message of Four mm. uh, with its you know war is bad mm. is it's it's not in your face, mm. and, but it's but it's quite obvious. Mm. It's just there's just no need. For this loss of life, mm. it's, just, it's just it's and it's madness. Mm. And he just he, he says it right right at the outset. And, and, and it can still be it still be funny yet hits home. Like it, when <laughs> Darling arrives in the trenches, he says, "I made a note in my diary on the way over," and it simply said, "Bubba." Yeah, mm. Mm. but um, yeah, what 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 makes it work too is it's real. This is exactly what was going on in World War One. Yeah. you know the the insanity of um, trench warfare is just. I'd like to think that, uh, that mud mud. Coffee was not really happening, but it probably was. Let's be honest. Yeah, oh, was was, was, yeah. Why was Baldrick in charge of the cooking? Come on, seriously. <laughs> there's one always in charge of the yeah, cooking in, in season three. Where Baldrick's stuffing this chicken, <laughs> and, and it's for the whole episode. Like he doesn't finish stuffing this chicken until the end of the episode. But the episode goes for a period of like three days. <laughs> they just <laughs> stuffing this chicken. Like, what's going on? And why would you want those hands inside your food? Oh, no. The other thing is that you know it, it wasn't afraid to do very different things. So one episode will deal with you know sort of pop cultural sensibilities, like um, in, in series three where Scarlet Pimpernel fever has. Um, <laughs> and then in series three, you get the great episode where they try to get Baldrick to run for parliament, yeah. so that they can get so they can get an MP who they trust um, to actually vote more money for the prince, yeah. so that Blackadder doesn't go to the poorhouse. Yeah, it's gone. Just a mention of the, the Scarlet Pimpernel episode. It was nice seeing uh, Chris Perry in that episode. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. French yeah. revolutionist. So, it's, so let's uh, let's just talk about the, the seasons themselves. I mean, like, like I said before, I think uh, one is the weakest. Yes, um, but still not crap. No, it's, um, not, it's not terrible. It's it, the, the problem is that the main character isn't quite as isn't isn't very interesting. Yeah. I do love the witches. <laughs> the witches are great. Witches are great. And Strange. 
the play, the playing with history, you know, the use of Richard the thir- Richard the Third and yeah. the the uh, fictional Richard the Fourth and things like that, and the uh, examination of you know the stuff that was going on back in the Middle Ages, yeah. well, no, sorry, the Dark Ages, is yeah, is kind of interesting, but um, it, it does fall down with its main character. Yeah. And the giant codpiece. Yeah. I've always <laughs> remembered the giant codpiece. <laughs> anything, anything with Brian Blessed in it is awesome. Yes. I think that episode is the standout. The one, that, yeah. That's the episode where he becomes the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the standout yeah. because it's putting him in the most unlikely situation. Yeah. yeah. And then we get the season two. It's, uh, with Queenie. Better, yeah, with Queenie. Um, which, <laughs> and Nursie. And Nursie, which, Nursie. Has, which definitely elevates it. And uh, what, um, what I think makes it really work is... Blackadder's animosity with Melchick. Mm-hmm. And they're... Sorry? Melchit. Melchit, sorry. And um, they're both both of their attempts to win favour with the Queen, yeah. who is, let's face facts, a complete child. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> But that, you know, having Stephen Fry and Rowan Atkinson playing off one another in that regard, I think just make, really makes that season work for me. And also, the, the, it's because of that that Blackadder does some strange stuff or crazy stuff to get the Queen's attention, like... Um, going on the round the world trip. Yes, <laughs> to prove that, you know he's the greatest explorer of all time. Although that's yeah. also against Walter Riley as well. Yeah. Um, but season two also introduces uh, my actual favourite side character, who is uh, Captain uh, Flashheart. 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 <laughs> Wolf. Which is, he's absolutely freaking awesome. Played by Rick Mile. Yeah, yes. Re- brilliantly played. Dropped in for himself. And uh, <laughs> he basically recreates the exact exact same character in season four. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's exactly it's, the same character. It's season two that also has um, Tom Baker. Yep. Yeah, as, the, a, as the, as the, the ship captain, captain. The ship captain, which is a, another ah. fantastic sort of little sort of cameo appearance that he, he makes. Doesn't even know how to sail. There's no sailors. No. Tom Baker <laughs> makes mention of that when he's doing the narration for Little Britain. He says, oh, we're going off to watch the episode of Blackadder that I was in. <laughs> <laughs> then we go on to uh, Blackadder the Third, which I, which is my favourite season. Yeah, it's um, my favourite. Which I think it, I most think it's, it's the season that comes together the most. Mm. Mm. And it, it's um, pretty much the season I think that's that's most widely praised yeah. across the board. And by uh, all Blackadder fans. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm. It's, it's every single, like I said before, every single episode is gold. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, you laugh like, a, laugh like a loon the entire way through, which is great. I mean, it's, it's, it's the one that's actually the most funny, I think. The mm. one yeah, the, the, the gags fly. Yeah. Um, think of us. Well, mm. also, it's the time of the Reformation. Yeah. Um, so there's probably a lot more interesting, more interesting stuff going on historically that they can... That they can use. That is such a good point. Um, and yeah. that—that's one of the things we haven't talked about here is the—is is the use of history. Yeah. Um, this, you know, we're talking about the age of enlightenment. We've got mm. a mad king in charge of, mm. um, in, in charge of England. We've got all this social stuff bubbling under the scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that they have picked times of just massive upheaval mm. and and massive change. But it's just, you know, it goes back to the, the, the cleverness and genius of the writing is that they pick these periods because it does give them, as you say, more to work off. Yeah. So it's, it's season three, here's one of my other all-time favourite quotes is when uh, George has to read a speech so they decide to get some actors in to, <laughs> to teach him how to do it. So they've taught him the stance and the, well, he's standing there and one of the actors says, oh, yes, that says, here's a man, and, and Blackett says, it goes, oh, here are my genitals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, season three, I can watch it again right now. Uh, and then, of course, moves on to Blackadder goes forth for season, um, and which is you know, set during World War One. And you know, we've already talked about it. It is, it is I, I mean, it's, it's not my my favourite season, but it is. It is quite strong. Though. It was so good in 
basically yeah, the way it ends. I think mm. it's just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, part, part part of it. It's probably more poignant than the other seasons. Yeah. I, just, I think not the Captain Darling, funny. the Captain Darling thing, I think is used a bit too much. I just, I just don't think the wit. No, 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 I think I think the thing about Black Adder is that it's actually funnier probably than say Black Adder Three. Black Adder Three has some very good stories. Um, uh, I disagree. I think uh, Three is much funnier. Uh, but um, the the actual the actual wit and the one liners they're, they're more funnier one liners. Yeah. But the the carry through in yeah. the storylines in in season in series three is much is much stronger. I think there are some great quotes in. Yeah. You know, but the, the one of the scenes that always sticks in my head is where he's actually interrogating Darling because he's trying to find the spy. Yeah. Um, and he's just interrogating Darling. Not really because he suspects Darling's a spy, more because no. he just wants to put him in the, in, under the spotlight. <laughs> and um, one of the... You know, he, he's actually managed to, managing to break him, and at one point Darling says, you can, I'm not a German, I'm as, I'm, as, I'm as English as Queen Victoria. And Blackadder's response is, So, your father's a German, you're half German, and you married a German. <laughs> <laughs> gold, gold, gold. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we can say about Blackadder. I mean, it's, it's a must-watch... Um, I mean, just check out check out season one, even just so you can get the full, the full experience. But uh, it is definitely up there with uh, mm. our, our favorite shows. I think. Mm. Yeah, pretty safe. Yeah. It's one of my favorite. The the the, the of echelon of British comedy, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's a show that I'll watch time and time again, mm-hmm. particularly series three. I think it is it, the writing is always so crisp that I always laugh, even though I know the jokes are coming. Awesome. That's Channel Zero on Black Adder. Buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Buy it on Amazon. I'll have the link. Oh, and just quickly, check out Blackadder Christmas Carol, but ignore Blackadder goes back and forth. Yeah, but back and forth is not that good. Oh, it's it, it's worth a look. Uh, yeah, it's for completers only. Yeah, but Christmas Carol is good. Christmas Carol because I, I really like because it's the, the the flip is that he's actually really nice, but he he learns that he has to be bad in order to <laughs> to succeed. And he becomes the Blackadder we know and love. Great. Okay, so moving on to coming soon. Coming in Australian cinemas, August 8th, we get Now You See Me, which is a bunch of magicians, Paul Bankheists. <laughs> I was just um, thinking of Now You See It, that 80s kids. Yeah, <laughs> I thought the same thing when I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. But uh, I'm interested, I want to see it, I think it looks good. Um, and The Bling Ring, what? which is uh, it's a story about a bunch of bored uh, Los Angeles socialites who uh, go and rob celebrity houses. Wow, that sounds mm. fantastic. I really want to see that. Seriously, that's like um, yeah. blind faith in movie form from the it's, other it's, things. It's I think based, based bored, is, true story. bored is the key word there. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it stars Hermione, being very non-Hermione-ish. Well, as you would be. Oh, you like, want to be typecast. What's her name? Watson? Yeah. Emma. Emma Watson. Emma Watson. <laughs> sorry, I haven't actually seen the Harry Potter film, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll do Shame a, on you We'll do a Harry Potter special at one point And I'll just sit there going I'm just not interested Actually I, I've only seen one three and a half or seven <laughs> Well you could probably skip the others anyway Prisoner of Azkaban Must see Awesome uh, Then the following week on August 15 We get Elysium Yay Which looks very cool Yeah really interested in this Hopefully mm. it'll be as good as uh... Matt Damon again Yes Not looking quite as pretty as he does in Candelabra No but hopefully it'll be as up there with uh, District Nine, you know, which was a surprisingly, you know, for me I, when I went to see it with no expectation, it was awesome. So I'm kind of hoping that this Ooh. will be the same. District Nine, nah, it's fine. Let's face it, you're wrong. It was fine. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to listening. Looks good. So that's it for the coming soon's. Don't forget, you can contact us by email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast dot com, or you can post on our Facebook wall. 
www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Or you can tweet us. At nerdculturecast on the Twitter machine. <laughs> <laughs> or you can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com On the internet machine. Was that your, was that your Alan Rickman? No, that's my Laurence Olivier. Oh, well, yes. To be fair, my Peter Sellers doing a Laurence Olivier. Olivier doing a hard day's night. Nice. <laughs> it's been a hard day's <laughs> night. <laughs> and don't forget, you can rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And also, don't forget that we are Amazon affiliates. There is a widget on our website. Buy stuff through the widget. Doesn't cost you anything extra, but we get a slice of the action. And as we pointed out last episode, it's not a huge slice, but that's fair enough. <laughs> Show the widget some love. Show the widget some love. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Just uh, just search for the product that you want through that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. I don't see who you are, or any of your personal details, or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, we get uh, a small percentage of it, and uh, it, a small percentage goes a long way, as Richo knows. What now? <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> see uh, that, that there? That ain't t- that ain't right. <laughs> That's it for episode fifty-six. My name is David, and this is the crew. Richo. No, I'm not speaking to you now. Luke! We hate the French. We fight wars against them. Was the Battle of Agincourt fought for nothing? Did the person who burnt Joan of Arc simply waste good matches? Hey, Crystal! Thank you, darling. (laughs) Bye! Bye! Bye now! Bye! On the Twitter machine! (laughs) On the goodbye machine! (laughs) On the NCP machine! Unlike, um, honestly, unlike Singing in the Rain, unlike which actually is an awesome movie, but with a whole bunch of really bad songs. Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain's okay. Um, Make him laugh is awesome, but it's got stuff like Good Morning, Good Morning, Good Morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning, Good morning to you and you and you. Okay. <laughs> 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 That's how I feel about most musicals. Going, hey, we've got to stay up late. How cool are we?